G'day everyone, welcome back or welcome to another Two and Under podcast. We were the Southern Hemisphere's biggest podcast. Um, I'm just going to take it upon myself now to say we're the biggest Newcastle United podcast outside of the UK now. Uh, everything here, your one-stop shop for your Seller Cup champions. Craig, how are mm. you tonight, my friend? I'm cracking, mate. We've got another trophy out of that cabinet. And uh, it's one, not been on before, it's all full now, eh? Yeah, another first, get the first one out of the way straight away. So um, for those of you who have been sleeping under a rock or been off social media probably over the weekend, uh, the preseason's over now. Um, Newcastle undefeated, Craig, in the preseason. Yep. Um, with another bumper weekend at St. James's Park, the doubleheader, which we done last year as well, I think, from memory. We did um, I. Yeah, so that wrapped up. We had a 2-0 win against uh, Fiorentina on Saturday and then a 4-0 win cementing our Seller Cup triumph yesterday. Uh, we'll get stuck into the games briefly. Um, but before we uh, kick off any further, we're just going to have a little bit of a sub push trying to get to 1,400 before the season starts this week. We're on 1,389 now, so we need 11 more subscribers if – if you know anyone who watches us that's not subscribed, tell them to jump on. We really love to hit uh, 1,400 before kickoff on Saturday and just keep growing the channel and, and stuff like that. So we want to be the biggest and best podcast outside of the UK for Newcastle United. So the more subs we get, um, the bigger we get, the better interviews we can get and everything like that. So if you're not subscribed, just click that uh, button down there. Give us a like and a comment while you're there. We uh, interact with everyone. So you could do that that would be fantastic and if we could hit 1400 before kickoff that would be absolutely incredible craig it would be absolutely amazing mate so if you haven't already please like comment and subscribe yes thank you very much right i mate we'll get stuck in to the weekend the prestigious absolutely prestigious <laughs> seller cup presented by visit malta can't forget them as well uh so we kicked off on saturday craig with a 2-0 win over uh, fiorentina at home I believe uh, Miggy and Isak were the scorers. Uh, Isak with the uh, assist to Miggy as well. Um, we've been crying that Eddie would like two starting 11s for this season, and I reckon we're just about there, mate. What do you reckon? Yeah, we're not far off, that's for sure. Um, there's still one or two bits of rust in the squad, which is to be expected, and still one or two bits uh, of... Players that probably still need either be shifted on or we just need to upgrade them effectively. Uh, you know, the likes of Dummett, Richie, uh, those types of players are probably not going to get a look in much this season, especially not in the league. So it's good to get a bit of game time, uh, getting the rust out of the legs, but they do need to be upgraded just for a bit of touch on depth, which again, we will look into later on this pod. Yeah, and I think um, it, I was just more impressed that Dummett has got through a couple of games, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, without breaking down or snapping in half or any other injuries <laughs> that he seems to uh, come across. But um, the first game, I don't know if you remember much, you probably didn't watch it. We It was advertised here in Australia on BN Sports, but unfortunately KO have um, they've snatched BN Sports off their, uh, off their channel now. So I think it's a separate subscription, which I don't think many Aussies are going to pay for anymore unless you're probably a diehard. Uh, Scottish Premier League fan, <laughs> you want to watch Rangers <laughs> or Celtics. So, um, 
Yeah, we're not paying for that. So, uh, but uh, by report, it seemed I think they were pretty balanced. 11s, Craig, would you sort of on the Saturday and Sunday? Do you think that's probably fair? Yeah, uh, I'd probably say the the team on Sunday was just that a little bit more uh, aggressive in terms of attack, especially within that midfield. The midfield was just a bit more experienced. I think on Sunday there was a midfield of uh, Tenali, uh, Lewis, Miley, and Anderson. Uh, they're all effectively fresh faced. Albeit Anderson has a bit more experience in the Premier League than any others. But on Sunday, midfield, there was a Bruno, uh, Big Joe and Longstaff. So that's an established midfield for us. And that, to me, was a plus. Yeah, I think it was really good to see Sean Longstaff uh, back in action as well. I think he'd missed maybe the last three games. He did. Three injuries. So um, good to see him back and get a 90-minute run out. Uh, Just even on... Saturday, just circling back to um to Saturday, it was it was quite funny. Um, after the game, Twitter had kind of exploded with that. Um, Anthony Gordon has to start the first game and and everything like that. And then by full time Sunday, it was Harvey Barnes and Biggie mm-hmm. that start the first game. Um, it, it's it's going to be an absolute. Train wreck for Eddie to try and pick this eleven on um, this weekend's game against Villa, isn't it? Oh God, I but it, it's a type of headache you want Eddie to have, rather than a case of can I name X amount of players to actually put on the bench that have kicked the ball before. I can name possibly the best Newcastle bench in God knows how many years since probably uh, Sir Bobby was manager, you know, maybe even before then. Because even back then, we really didn't have a huge amount of uh, depth No, we didn't. No. no. So, so the depth that we're building is fantastic and it is good to see. And again, a selection headache is only a good thing. Yeah, so the only two players I think that didn't feature on the weekend was Joe Willock and Fabian Shah. Um, Eddie did say in the pre-game press conference, he was... Shah was touch and go whether he's going to play this weekend, and I think they've probably just heard on the side of caution and give him another week. And did Mankiw get any game time? No, he didn't. No, but I mean, we'll we'll get to probably why. Yeah, he didn't get any game time shortly. But um, <laughs> yeah. So in, in terms of that, we're we're pretty healthy, I reckon. It's going into the mm-hmm. first game with Willick being the only injury concern, I guess, and there's no real timetable for him. To return at this stage, we just know it was a serious hamstring injury against Brighton at the end of last season. So, fingers crossed he get back to full health and he can really start putting more pressure on Eddie for uh for his selection dissection or selection dilemma. What that that sort of leads us, I think, Craig. We're not we're not going to sort of harp too much on the Villa game because we've got Jack on. Uh, Wednesday or Thursday with his preview with um, I think one of the Aston Villa guys uh, from yeah, Australia, which w- yeah, yeah, which would be great. But um, I just want to dive into this this whole depth thing and and what we've just talked about here. So um, we'll start off with our first game last year, I think, Craig. So um, we'll bring it up on the screen now. This was our starting eleven. Um, we had Nick Pope in goal, uh, Trippier, Shah, Burn, and Target as our back four. Uh, Willock, Bruno, Joel Linton, and then Almiron, Wilson, and St. Maximin with a front three. So I think we could probably confidently say that Matty Target won't be there. Obviously, Joe Willock won't be there, and, and St. Maximin won't be there as well. 
question marks perhaps on Wilson and Almiron, I think, at this stage. So why, yeah, why we're kind of mentioning this is just to sort of speak about our depth. So our bench for that game, as you can see, if you're watching, if not, I'll run it through now. We had Dubravka, Dummett, Botman, Richie, Wood, Fraser, Murphy, Anderson, Longstaff on our bench. So um, so what Craig's done today is Craig's stuck his neck out early, which we all love, and that's what we love about Craig. He's never afraid to chuck his head out and, and put his neck on the chopping block. So Craig is, what Craig's done is actually put his starting 11 for the weekend. So, um, so Craig, I'll, I'll let you run through your 11, mate. Do you want to go through that for us now? So Pope and goal, obviously. Uh, he's not going to be uh, replaced by Dubravka. Um, I think that's a given. Back four, um, unless we get any signings in quickly, I can't see that changing. So you got Trips, Shaw, Botman and Byrne. That's pretty much well established. The midfield, well established, as mentioned before, Bruno, Longstaff and Big Joe. Uh, and up front, this is where it gets maybe a little bit controversial. Uh, so Barnes uh, up front on the left-hand side, Miggy on the right uh, in front of Trips as per usual, and Big Dog Alexander Isak up top. So that's the 11 I would go with for purely on the fact that that pace going forward would be electrifying. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. So, Craig, you dropped that in our group um, this afternoon. So I took it upon myself to provide a bench <laughs> or could be a bench for the weekend. So when we talk about depth, if this is Craig's bench, this is Craig's 11, this would be my bench. So we would have Dubravka Lascelles, Target, Tanali, Anderson, Murphy, Gordon, Wilson, and I reckon that obviously Livramento will be announced sometime this week after he was he was photographed at the game on Saturday. So we think um, it won't be that far away. So whether he makes a bench or not, we're not sure. That could easily be maybe Mankia or Kraft. And then we've also got Lewis Miley, who's really impressed over the preseason. I couldn't get him on the bench either. So... That that speaks volumes about the depth that we have at the moment, and we still have uh, Willick to come back in, maybe in what perhaps a month or something. By the time he gets up to full training and gets himself in a position where he can he can actually get out on the pitch during a game, it, it's going to be a really big problem to have. Yeah, it, it again, it's a, a good problem to have. The only struggling thing is lack of centre back options. Because we've yeah. only really got uh, Lascelles. Yes, Boone can slot into centre-back and target, dumb it all, half a bit, Richie goes in at left-back. Um, worst case scenario, if Richie's playing at left-back, something's catastrophically gone wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we do have some defensive cover. And like you said, if uh, Livermento is in in time, you'd think you'd make the bench the way Eddie likes to slowly introduce people into the squad. He's not going to throw them in at the deep end. You wouldn't have thought. Um, so, yeah, that depth is great. But best of all, we've got depth in attacking options, which is what you want to see. And again, as mentioned, yeah. we've got pace up front already. But with the likes of Gordon, Anderson, whatever, all like we come in, Gordon is the second fastest in the Premier League, I think, in top speed. Oh, so right, bring him know. on with uh, with 20 Look, minutes Murphy. to go, whatever, with tired legs. He's the type of person you want running up defenders in that press. He could cause yeah. a lot of damage. So and and the, I think the opposite of that, or not the opposite, but 
you throw Murphy on that other wing for Miggy, there's going to be speed in the game yeah. all the time. So, and with tiring defenders and, you know, you could also perhaps throw Wilson on for, for the Slim Reaper and then against tired sort of fatiguing defenses, he could cause a whole handful of problems with his, with his intelligence and his runs and things like that. I think it's going to be a major weapon for us this year is our depth, um, especially in the front third. And you could easily interchange like Tanali and Anderson into that midfield three as well at any stage, given their performances over the preseason. I think they've been really impressive. Eddie spoke at length about Tanali and he's really impressed him uh, during the preseason as well. Pardon me as well. So he could easily start on the weekend. Um, what, what I sort of wouldn't mind going into a little bit is something we brought up today that I was staunchly against pre-COVID and then that was the three subs, Craig. So, yeah, yeah there was a lot of talk saying, oh, it's great we get five subs now because we've got some decent players on the bench. <laughs> I was against it pre-COVID when it was three. I'm still against it now. I'm not going to change my mind. It's a, it's a, it's meant to be hard. It's a war of attrition. The, the only, um, the only changes I'd, I'd like to make into the, um, into the substitutions with three subs is a concussion that's that's becoming more prevalent now. I think in in sport, in any Definitely. sport, I guess, yeah, that that uses head and and head trauma and things like that. What I would like to see is um, if a player has sustained a, a high impact injury to their head to actually be taken off and maybe taken into the rooms for an assessment um, and and get the doctor to actually, you know, assess them properly rather than what, three or four minutes out on the ground while they're lying down, actually take them away and and treat them properly. And during that stage, a player can come on to replace the Roll player. Well, it's kind of. So a player can come on while that while the player's getting assessed if the player passes all the tests and is fit to resume, then that player just comes off again. And then, or if he's deemed out of action, then that sub will, that'll just stay how it is now. And that, but it won't count towards your three subs, similar to how it is now. So you get five, but if there's a concussion sub, that actually doesn't count towards your five. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, the, the concussion sub is a genuinely good thing. I think that the rolling sub, or however you want to call it, I don't see how that would potentially work in a fast-paced Premier League game. So, I mean, you'd still have to stop play to treat the, the player. Unlike rugby, where you've got the physios who are allowed to run onto the pitch during play to let play yeah. continue. If they were to bring that rule in, then yeah, fair enough. They could then make that roll and sub quite quickly. But you've still yeah. got to stop play. You've still got to get the player stripped and ready. And you've then got to get the person off, get assessed and everything. If they could work around it and how quickly they could do those roll and subs, then I don't think it would be the, the right way for the game to go. I think keep it as it is, albeit with the, the three subs rather than the five in the, the one extra concussion sub or however many injury subs that you would need during the game. Yeah, so how... So what they do now, like as soon as it's a head knock, they stop play. So play, so you're not waiting for the next stoppage. As soon as there's a head knock or anything like that, the referee stops play straight away. So then, like 
most players are warming up anyway. Like they spend, some people spend 90 minutes warming up and not actually get on the ground. So the game stopped. It shouldn't be too long for a player to actually get stripped and get ready by the time they make sure the player's safe, you know, like no massive head trauma or neck injuries or anything like that. I don't think the game would be delayed that much by the time they actually get off and and stuff like that in terms of how it is now. I don't think there'd be much difference. The only difference is they'll actually get assessed properly. And if they do come back on, it would just be like a regular sub. So whenever the break in play is, if that injured player has been deemed to not have a concussion, then as soon as the ball, if they obviously notify the fourth official, like a normal substitute would, um, ball goes out of play or the game stops, then they can make the change for that player to re-enter the field. I honestly don't think it'd be that much of a, hindrance or, or a disruption to the game and if it is well kind of too bad like they're the times we live in now where concussions are a really serious problem and oh god I... we have yeah we haven't seen it but um i do remember i don't know if it was last year or the year before there was a um there might have been something over on the uk about um cte with with alan shearer and yeah um that sort of led to some calls i guess for maybe juniors not being able to hit a ball until a certain age and stuff like that to try and uh, preserve their brains. And I think, I think balls have come a little bit further in their technology than what they might've been when young Alan was a kid heading concrete cylinders around <laughs> after a bit of water and stuff like no. that. But yeah, I think especially in, in modern sport now and, and impact sports, I think sort of the premier league need to move with the times and, and sort of allow these players to get assessed properly because um, we've seen it at the NFL and we've, we've also sort of seen the, Beginnings of it in the AFL, these concussion lawsuits are going to cost sporting organisations billions and billions of dollars. So if they can put some kind of measures or and stuff in place to, to treat people properly and, and look after them and assess them properly, I think that's only going to be a good thing for the game. And like I said, it's going to be, honestly, it'll be a minimal disruption to the, to the length of the game and stuff like that. And if you believe what you read anyway, mate, like these... Injury time is going to be back to last year's World Cup in, in terms Got of on. length and yeah. with stoppages and, and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, like, that, that, all that, most of this other stuff's Mickey Mouse compared to the seriousness of a, of a high-impact injury to the head and and things like that. And, honestly, if you're going to waste time and stuff like that, that should be a priority. And But even, do you know, like, I don't want to go off on a, a bigger tangent on this, but as soon as that happens, like, the referee can just blow the whistle and the clock will stop. So there's no extra added time and things like that. Just the game stops until the person can be sort of safe to move and then get off the ground and, and stuff like that. So there's there's plenty of ways they can safely do it with, with minimal disruptions and not causing 15, 20 minutes of injury time and things like that. So that, that's something that I'd like to see definitely in the game and back to three subs, but with the money now and things like that, Craig, I don't think we're ever going to go back to, to three, unfortunately. No, it's, it was all brought up by the big clubs, wasn't it? Oh, the, the big six the back in the day. The, the clubs with wanting, the, the clubs with uh, the fattest squads. Uh, friends wanting yeah. bigger change. Uh, I think they just wanted to keep the, the pace of the game going over the 90 minutes is what they expressed. Yeah. Wanted to be. So they can get fresh legs on, but it's yeah. just purely advantage for the bigger squad. And we discussed this previously, I think, when the pod was uh, pretty much fresh, to be honest, that, yes, 
it's an advantage to the bigger teams. Yes, it will suit us in the coming months and years and so, but it would be very hypocritical for us as the fan base to now get excited or to want these five subs, considering 80 months ago we were bringing on Jeff Hendrick for Joe Willock uh, in that <laughs> uh, Wolves game before the takeover went on. And, it, yeah, I, I just I like the idea of being able to bring on an injection of pace when tired legs, everything like that. Um, I yeah. do get that idea, but again, hypocritical as a fan base, personally. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we can do it either. So, um, well, you, you, I, I, have, I didn't have time to cut this up, Craig, but you shared, um, you shared something in our group, uh, just before about it was really interesting the, uh, how long each team celebrates a goal last yeah. season. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I've got I've got the graphic here, which, um, much to everyone's shock, Newcastle United were the shortest celebrators mm-hmm. for the whole season. So, like, yeah. you'd think that with the camaraderie and all that, and and how much the players seem to love each other, they would celebrate the longest. But in fact, they don't celebrate it enough. No, I I think I also worked out the the, the total time. Uh, that we celebrated goals in the league. I think it was what seventy odd minutes. Oh yeah, it's got per it's got per goal here. So Newcastle averaged sixty six seconds celebration per goal. Yeah, Crystal Palace were the highest with eighty four. Uh, Arsenal but... were one of the biggest complainers about our time wasting. Yeah. Actually, eighty one seconds. So have a look at the overall seconds. time though. If you scroll down a little bit from there. So Arsenal, they spent nearly two hours worth of celebrating in the Premier League last season. Yeah. Two hours worth. <laughs> yeah. 119 minutes and X amount of seconds celebrating goals in the Premier League. We yeah. were 70 plus minutes. We're 73 minutes. So in minutes. terms of time wasting, I mean, it purely balances out over the course of the season then, surely? Got to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has to. You know, like it's easy for them to throw stones, but... Heaven forbid, you actually come back at them with some more facts. So don't mm-hmm. don't do that because they won't take it too well. What I'm not sure if the boys spoke about this last week, but um, the new Premier League rules have only one. The manager is the only one allowed in the technical area now. Could you see Mad Dog perhaps with a uh, with the NFL, maybe Eddie with a headset as well, and uh, Mad Dog with a headset just talking to each other instead of him sort of yelling and things like that. I, I genuinely don't know how they're going to be able to to do that because, I mean, managers, they get as excited in the game as what the players do. I mean, could you imagine if uh, Jose Mourinho was still in the league, the way he used to bark orders from uh, the touchline, the way his assistants jumped up every time they should have got a free kick or there was a yellow card or a goal disallowed or anything that went against them, the whole bench would be up. There's no way they can control that in a manner where it's only... Eddie Howe um, versus another manager in their own box at any one time. It, it'll just be a farce, to be honest. The biggest yeah. one that I'm interested in see how the refs manage to cope with it is only the captain and the player who's involved in the incident is allowed to speak or to approach the referee <laughs> during an on-field incident. If you're like Man United Arsenal, that's the Man United no rule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what that rule is. Bullshit rule, that one. Yeah. Oh, I... I can kind of understand that because it is a bad look for 
especially young players watching the sport, if the, as soon as a referee makes a decision, which could be the right decision, and then just gets surrounded by ten players, like it's a it's a horrible look. And I can I can understand the um, where they come from to implement that. I can't understand why you can't have two people in the technical area. That's got me. Yeah, absolutely stuffed. Like, I buffling, don't know why. Really buffling that one. Like you, you can nominate. Why can't you just nominate two people at the start of the game on the team sheet or whatever you hand into the officials to say yes, we give. If it's if it's us, it's Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall will be our two uh, staff in the technical area for the game and things like that. What happens if it's a it's a rollicking game? Imagine it's the the Nottingham Forest game from last season at at, at Nottingham Forest, right? Hugely controversial game and things like that, and tensions and emotions are, are just really at boiling point. And then that goal from the Slim Reaper, that penalty goes in. There's absolute jubilation and injury time, and mm-hmm. there's seven coaching staff that get a yellow card because they've ran into hug Eddie Howe after that. Like that, that's preposterous. That is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Couldn't and agree more. You're taking the emotion. Like these guys work what we're led to believe these coaches work 12 hours a day to be with these players and improve the players. And when they Mm -hmm. see something like this happen, they're expected just to sit down and clap. Like it's it's absolutely farcical. Like I, I don't get it. And no argument that anyone presents to me will change my mind that this is a good idea. I completely agree. Completely agree. It's of all the the new rules that they've brought in, that is easily the worst. I can understand the players surrounding the ref. That's a good rule, but I don't know how they're going to enforce it. That's a thing. But uh, yeah, the the technical box with only the one manager in there and nobody else, that is an absolute piss take of a rule. Yeah, it it just, it makes, it makes zero sense to me. And like I said, two, absolutely. You'd have two because a lot of, a lot of managers do have a real someone, definitely in the coaching staff, that they kind of lean on a lot more than what the other coaches are. I think every every club would kind of have them. So to be able to not use them as counsel during the game, like I don't think the way that we sort of operate our match day coaching staff is like detrimental or like it doesn't add any spice and flavour to the touchline. Like, we're no different to anyone. So, how, look, I'm sure most people are aware that sort of how they do it is that Eddie kind of watches the game, analyzes it, and and Mad Dog sort of helps him along the way, and they sort of work together. If there's any sort of thing that needs to lead, talk to a fourth official, Mad Dog does that. Like, it, like and I've never, I've never understood the arguing to the fourth official. I don't, I don't know what that achieves. He hasn't made the decision. Yeah. I can understand asking the question to say, hey, what was that for? And then, I mean, he can relay that to the to the on-field referee and say, what was that for, blah, 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 and then they can communicate back to the coaches and they're aware of it. But in terms of arguing and things like that, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I think you can easily sort of mitigate that by if you're going to start blowing up a decision, then you'll get the yellow card then. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so you can yeah. you can just mitigate that exactly the same as what the on-field stuff is. If you surround the referee, you get a yellow card. Then if you the same thing, if you sort of 
maybe intimidate's not the right word, but maybe it is. If you intimidate and and throw your weight around, yeah, put put the fourth official offside, then you'll be sanctioned as well. So like, well, there's easy ways to get get around this stuff without having to just throw everyone and sit and clap on the bench now. It's not just Big Dog that does it. Um, Mad Dog, sorry, that does it for us. Holds about Graham Jones. He's often quite animated from the bench yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. but I mean, they're all out there. It's the same for every club. You're passionate about the club. You want to get up. You want to celebrate. You want to yeah, course, appeal yeah. decisions. You want to do whatever, you know. But like you say, you'd have to sit on the bench now and just sit on your hands. It's a yeah. little bollocks. It really is. Like just Yeah, just clap like you're at the tennis. Like, yeah, I mean... I understand resting officials need protection. That's fair enough, but this is the wrong way to go about it. Yeah. It's too strict, too quick. Yeah, well, you can't. Look, look, the players, I think players aren't dumb. So there might be some teething problems in the first week or two, Mm -hmm. but they'll they'll quickly switch on that, shit, I've already got two yellow cards in the first two weeks for doing this. I need to stop. And I I reckon that's why Man United have made Bruno Fernandes their captain, just purely because he was going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So they've, they've probably saved themselves 38 yellow cards for him in a season <laughs> by making him the captain. But um, for the rest of it, and I think for for us, Kira Trippi is the one that talks to the referee. How many times? You see him every game actually usher the players away. Yeah. To sort of say, no, 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 look, it's all right. I'll deal with this. I've got it. And then he'll talk to the official and he seems really calm and he's composed when he's talking to the official about whatever's just happened. But it's just, yeah, it's madness. The, the whole coaching stuff is, is absolute madness. And like a, I said, a prime example, sorry to blab on about this one is, can you remember the, the Man United away game at Old Trafford where Man United thought they had scored and you had everyone yeah, ball their keeper. Yeah. Yeah. Ronaldo yeah. thought he scored and everyone yeah. ball their keeper was right around uh, the ref. Yeah, and so if that was the case, then eight of those players should have been given a yellow card based on this yeah. rule that's coming in. Uh, and it was a, but it was a horrible look. It was. It was an absolute yeah. horrible look. So if we can get that out of the game and encourage more young people, I guess, to take up refereeing, it's a good thing because mm-hmm. we need referees. And the, it, if you sort of take the look at the player, where if you start them young and you teach them young, they'll be better and and so much better by the time they're adults and things like that, and they can progress through the ranks. So if you can encourage more referees to join up at a younger age, that's a great thing. But in terms of the coaching, that's, it's just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Yeah, completely agree. So, so, yeah, that's our, that's our Monday night. uh, (laughs) It's our Monday night rant out of the way. Yeah. So, I think have you got anything else, mate, to uh to add that's sort of happened over the weekend and things like that, that you want to bring up? There's just the imminent signing of uh Tino. Yeah. Yeah, I mean let's hope he rocks up to the Gallagher wearing a big fur coat and it starts snowing, <laughs> just like his namesake. Uh that would be impressive. Um, but I can't see it happening. Saying that it, it's quite cold back then. My mother uh, sends a message saying she'd put a heat on and it's in August. So <laughs> Yeah, well, some of the pictures were seen from the weekend. It was miserable, like yeah. Um, it down in some parts, but uh, yeah, I you know it looks like it's just waiting for the imminent arrival of that um tweet or Facebook message from any of the social content. It looks like he's gonna be a new player. There's a little bit of contention as to where he's gonna be playing, uh, right back or left back, but we'll let Eddie make that decision. Um, but yeah, that's another one in the bag, it looks like, and we're just 
Hopefully, Eddie wants another two players in before the window, according to his presser. Whether he'll get them or not, uh, we will see. Yeah, I'd honestly, I'd honestly settle for one. If we can get a a decent right centre back in, I think we've had an, I think we've had a really good window already. But if we can get a a um, right centre back in, sort of along the Botman mould, not so much as a player, but more of a a ball playing right centre back of, of a youngish age, I think that yeah. that we've had an unbelievable window. And then I think we've seen um, Kieran Trippier at international level also sort of fill in that left back role. So. Perhaps he can offer cover. Emil Kraft seems like he's going to be back to full fitness in a matter of weeks after that ACL injury last year. So we do have options, like you said. I think we're just a little bit thin in that right centre-back role. I mean, Dan Byrne can cover the left centre-back role if, uh, heaven forbid, Sven Botman gets injured. So, yeah, if we can sort of sort that out before the end of the transfer window, I think we've had an amazing window. And we're pretty much close to that two start 11s then. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, mate. But um, that'll do for us tonight, mate. Thanks for your time. Everyone, again, jump on YouTube. We need 11 more subs to get to 1,400. We'd love to get them before this weekend's game against Aston Villa. So if you haven't already, uh, give us a uh, subscribe to our channel. Tell your friends and family as well. That'll be fantastic. And um, join Jack uh, later on in the week for our, our first Aston Villa or our first preview uh, for the weekend, he's got a special guest from uh, an Aston Villa fan, I think from a podcast in Australia. So he'll be all across the new signings as well. So uh, stick around for that. But we'll say it again. If you haven't, subscribe to the channel. Get us to 1,400 before kickoff, and that would be absolutely massive. Craig, thank you again for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. Only time, mate. See you on the next one. We'll see you next week. Well, well, me and Craig will probably see you next week anyway, but Jack, Jack will be on later on in the week. All right, so we'll catch you all later. Thanks for watching or listening.